Assalamualaikum guys, welcome back to the Fair Income Podcast Today we had an academic, uh, a brother that I look up to A very special guest by the name of Dr. Yasser Morsi on the podcast um, Yeah, just to keep it short and sharp, the discussion was simply around the current situation of Palestine uh, The role that politics plays in everything uh, How Muslims should react, what are the strategies for us moving forward And um, yeah, how to look at this situation as from from not only the political standpoint but holistically and what the Ummah needs to do moving forward. Um please like, comment and subscribe. Uh yeah. Free Palestine. Welcome to the Fedika podcast again. Um I wish we had better circumstances to bring Dr. Yasser on, but alhamdulillah like uh, whenever we can get Dr. Yasser on the podcast it, it's it's a feat for us. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Yasser Morsi on the podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, thank you for having me, bro. Thank you for taking the time, bro. Well, I appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. Um, just for a little bit of context, inshallah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Yasser is an author and lecturer at La Trobe University. He lectures in politics and. Yeah, politics. So uh, my background is political theory, but I sometimes jump through different departments in teaching politics been uh, teaching around racism, Islamophobia, um, sometimes you'll find me in the debate around criminology, social inquiry department which I'm currently at, but yeah, generally my, my PhD was in politics. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. So, um, we'll probably inshallah in, in the future probably jump you, uh, grab you back on inshallah to speak a little bit about the, just politics in general and how it's involved in everyday life. We'll probably touch on it a little bit here as well because the current situation that's going on with the apartheid in uh, Palestine. Um, one thing I wanted to read to actually begin the podcast, I think it's very important for everyone to understand before we go into it, the historical context. Um, who I'm going to quote the now President of the United States, uh, Sleepy Joe Biden. Uh, he said, and he reiterated this, Israel is the best investment that America has ever made. Um, best $2 billion investment, he said. He said the reason being, if there were not an Israel, the US would have to invent one in order to protect her interest in the region. What hmm. does that spark in you, bro? A, a couple of things. Firstly, a rare honesty almost, in probably an unintended honesty, especially the line about an invention of Israel. Uh, power, politics, uh, major power and big states, the US, have the capacity to invent things, invent narratives, invent problems, invent solutions to sway public and global opinion um, for their own interest. It's, it's hardly ever a, a game about truth or lie. It's mostly a game about how, how much we can take and how little we can give back. So from a theoretical political theory point of view it, it makes sense that uh, and as i said it's seemingly a rare maybe unintended honesty as for the first part of the israel being the best invention i'm not sure that's investment true. Yeah. investment sorry <laughs> not sure that's true um and it all depends from whose perspective of course um i don't even think it's true for a Israelis or Americans. It's definitely not true for Palestinians 
for the Arab world and it's definitely not true for the global community if we start speaking about that the price that so many have paid for Israel's um, violence is quite expansive and clear so uh, to answer your question what it brings out in me it irks me pains me because it's uh, a view of history that erases so much of other people's pain um, but it's unexpected it's expected it's, you know, when we speak of Israel we speak of America and we speak of America we speak of Israel yeah. you know it's it's not an objective or independent view of the situation when you mm. hear the talk when he says investment you usually link back to money or return and it makes you think subhanallah how they trade the lives of people in order to in order to up their gain or their return and pretty much rake in a profit and um, we're seeing that now yeah look there's many different ways for us to and i think it's important for us to have these discussions how we there's politics, is what's happened, it's what's happening, and then there's political questions of how to understand politics, how to frame it, how to recognize things. So you're tapping a little bit into the kind of realist uh, paradigms or ways we see politics. Interest drives everything, right? Uh, powerful states do what they need to do to advance their interest. Adva their security is prioritized over other people's security. They may speak the language of humanity and humanism and we're all one and don't target civilians and, you know, they may speak that language but when we strip that language away we see a very realist type of politics. We will do what we have to do for our interest that comes first. And that, that's one way of seeing politics and th that model, when we start using that model, it makes a lot more sense than the US as some type of ambassador and champion for... Uh, international law and order and democracy and freedom for everybody we've got enough evidence to s to cite the multi multiplicities of hypocrisies that counter the u.s as a champion of all of humanity and equal amount of evidence to show that they will do what they have to do for their interest and their allies interest which also aligns to their interest so yeah um yeah i i think we uh who uh, find ourselves living in the West as minorities have to do two things. Archive, list all the evidence of what's happening in the world, but also think through about how to theorise or how to think about politics, how to talk about politics out without borrowing the language that they provide for us. Because that language often frames them as heroes and us as the opposite of heroes, right? So... Yeah, there's two parts to it, and I think we're, we're touching on that. We're beginning to see the realist element of the global order. It's power telling the powerless what to do and getting away with it. Yeah. You, you brought up the, the narratives. Mm. Um, and something that we're, no we're noticing now is, and the hypocrisy that you brought up also, the one thing that we're noticing now is that it's plain and clear that one side has already lied on a number of occasions. And actually, there's no sides in this, to be honest with mm. you. If we're, we're going to be honest, there's a brutal oppressor and then there's the oppressed. And um, you have one people lying to your face and you're taking it in. And there's 
the hypocrisy of I will support them regardless, even though we know they're lying, even though it's been proven, even though there's evidence, and the evidence is stacked against them, we're still gonna, you know, hush. Yeah, subhanAllah. So, look, my other career path is I went back to study psychology. Currently, a provisional psych at an Islamic school practicing. Uh, one of the many, it was really interesting studying psych about the way lack of a better phrase, cognitive distortions happens, how we morally disengage, the kind of uh, excuses we give ourselves to justify while maintaining the idea that we're moral, right? How do we lie and maintain we're the good guy? It's really fascinating because it's a different language. And what you're suggesting here, that they can blatantly, openly lie to the world, can be seen in two ways. They're doing it for themselves, right? Um in the sense that they want to maintain the image that they're the good ones. Yeah. The lie isn't servicing uh, what's, what reality, what's happening in reality. The, the lie is servicing uh, symbolic plays at who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. And then we have to ask ourselves a different question because I think all of us, most adults, should know by now. Politicians lie. If you don't know that by now as an adult, you have to start like... Subhanallah, like, like, look at where we're at. If you ask everyday Australians, they know politicians lie. Right? Not only that, <laughs> when we watch an advertising, we know the ads, they're trying to seduce an emotional reaction out of us. Yeah? They're tricking us. They're manipulating us. Yeah. We know the shiny packaging on food is a trick. We know this. So, yeah, we still consume buy believe so that's a so this is why when you enter the psychological part of it why do people want to believe in these lies and it has nothing to do with what's happening in reality it has everything to do with how they want to see themselves mm. and how they want to see you so they don't even have to try hard like you mentioned like you, like you there was almost frustration in your face like like the evidence is there they know that they know that. And it's precisely because they know that, that they have to cover it up, right? And how did Biden get away from the Ahli Hospital? He's like, I, I did my independent investigation. It's the other team. Who in that language? And just the word independent. This word carries and does a lot of work here. It's done nothing in reality. It's just a word. Mm -hmm. And the idea that the US is an independent observer of the Israeli occupation of Palestine, and people buy it. So we have to ask a question. Let's move away from politicians and ask, why are people desperate to believe? Right? And this is where the magic of Hamas comes into it. Hamas is, for them, the perfect villain that allows them right, not to care for Palestinians. Mm. Hamas enters the world like this dark specter, the, you know, the bad guy, so that every person who thinks... I believe in humanity can stop thinking about dead Palestinians. Mm -hmm. Right? And then they start talking absurdly about proportionality, how Israel has a right to defend itself. So when we shift away from a naive assumption that we as humans, and especially in politics, are truth seekers, maybe in Islam and maybe other faith or spiritual orientated movements, there is an emphasis on truth seeking. Mm. But we have to, politics isn't a truth seeking 
endeavor, right? It's about interests, about rights, and they will lie. And when we move away from that, it's therefore we will say what we have to say to win. We will say what we have to say to survive, right? And others will hear what they want to hear to maintain the moral argument that they're the good guys. And then there's another, another element to that. And I don't want to be dramatic about it. There's a lot of hatred out there for us, mm. right? And that hatred could be historical, it could be psychological, it's there. It's, there's a lot of it. I'm not saying it's, it's, there's a causal, like if you're, on, if you're on the side of the West, you automatically hate Arabs. I'm just saying there's a lot of it. Yeah. And I notice how quick people are to believe in the evils and barbarity of the Palestinian side. How quick. Now, from a psychological perspective, that speed in which you, I believe it, yeah, it has to be explored and has to be examined. There's something going in there. And a lot of it, like if you scroll or doom scroll through TikTok, or Twitter, you see that hatred. Mm. You see that hatred. You see people calling in one way or another for the continuation or the escalation of genocide. Right? And yep. the celebration of Israel leveling entire neighborhoods in Gaza. You see it. When you see all of these things, you're like, it, is a, it's, it must be born from some deep, deep contempt for something. They don't, they don't see you as human. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't see you as worthy. And like, um, it's, it's now global, right? But, so I, I, yeah, politicians lie. They lie to our face, but I think we have to ask different questions. And one of those questions is not, do they lie? Is why do so many people believe them? Yeah, definitely. Mm. You brought it up. There's some sort of, ever since 9-11, this is what makes me laugh, is they've been, there's always been like this dormant hatred that just sits. Mm. And you can tell through the passive-aggressive nature of the people that you speak to or deal with on a day-to-day basis, people that you meet, and then they see, for example, your mum wearing the hijab when she walks into the shopping centre, and you can see that they either speak down to or, or don't give the same courtesies, and you can you can kind of pick yeah. up on these little it, microaggressions. It, it, absolutely, the microaggressions exist, uh, but also it, the way racism typically functions, or an anti-Arab racism, or an Islamophobia, or wherever those overlap, um, is that they set out conditions in which they determine when they can love you, when they can accept you, when they can tolerate you, and these conditions are equally as sometimes dehumanizing, mm. right? So, because also, say, Australian society that we belong into, they do want to imagine themselves as humanistic, uh, liberal, uh, all people are equal. We've moved past our racial histories. We are global in our sensibilities. There is is that fantasy that persists, and and many people do execute it and believe in it. And there's been lots of support for Palestine. Uh, Absolutely. I don't want to raise that. I'm, I'm not creating... I'm, I'm creating general generalities as opposed to everybody like you know so now this you see the microaggressions and so forth because one of the things that I mean, precedes it but one of the things that got heightened by September 11 and the atmosphere that grew out of it is that you and I have question marks over it. and the question mark I think many of us could tolerate more if we're a known enemy mm-hmm. right if we're we I know you dislike me sooner or later our own dignity, and sense of worth will deal with that. Yep. 
it's the question mark that's haunting because it's undecidable. It's like they can't figure out if we're enemy or friend. And that means we're constantly in a space where we have to prove ourselves. Yeah. Right? We're constantly in this because with enemy, you deal with them. Yeah. Either get rid of them, fight them, kill them, whatever, right? Or leave them. With a friend, you work with them, you ally with them, you have peace with them. With the undecided friend, I can't figure out, we are now in the constant, everyday cycle of having to solve a problem for them. Are you with us or against us? Yeah? yeah. And that means our expression of Islam must fit in into a good Islam, bad Islam. Mm -hmm. Our politics must fit into an anti-terrorist, counter-violent extremism, or a, you know, a pro-democracy, or a radical politics and that you can't, can't be worked with. Right? Yeah. And that's the tiring part. Because you know what? On top of all of that, there's no magic number, bro. It's not like, for some people there may be, but for the majority of us, it's not like, oh, we've done it. Now we can move on. Yeah. No, it keeps going. The question mark keeps returning, keeps returning. Every time something happens in the world, yeah. it returns. Yep. And that's why we're getting these repetitive questions. Yep. Do you condemn Hamas? Right? It keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So in that sense, these microaggressions are the results of the internal trying to figure out whether they uh, want to be who they claim to be. Yes. <laughs> in the face of something real. Yeah. You. You also see it. The six-year-old from Chicago that got stabbed by his landlord who was once a friend who used to play with him. He used to, I'm guessing, be at least chummy with the mm. family. And you, you notice that look at the drop of a hat with a couple of fake newscasts and a couple of uh, you know anchors yeah. spreading some lies. That he can turn from what's a friend to... So firstly, may, um, may Allah make it easy on the family provide them patience and Allah um, terrible uh, many many of us in the community of parents it's your worst nightmare man worst nightmare y your life is terrible if some, an accident happened imagine this mm. it's the worst nightmare um, yeah and your point about the drop of the hat this is the precarious nature of it. This is the question mark that keeps returning. We like you until we find out that you're <laughs> pro-Palestinian or you're not willing to condemn Hamas or you, not even you're not willing to condemn Hamas. You complicate the situation. Mm. Yeah, It's not even, it was, there's many people who, who are not, you know, one of the most hilarious things with, with Pierce Morgan now becoming a, a quasi channel for Islamists, right? You know what the funny thing is like he's asking people who have a history with fighting Hamas, do you condemn Hamas? It's just complete like so the question functions in a very different way. Uh, so you're not even allowed to have nuances. And so you're right, this this example of this tragedy um is it shows that you and I can be here for multiple generations. But if our politics returns, the trauma of our people return, the advocacy of that trauma, um, you will uh, potentially be under threat. Mm. And in this case, you know, life was taken. There's also, there's also the, um, the topic of confirmation bias. Obviously, we talk about that lying, dormant hatred for the Arab or for the Muslim or 
even mm. if it's, it's intolerance, let's say intolerance, just because hatred is probably a strong word. Um, when we speak about confirmation bias, it's like they believed it, you proved it wrong, but they only believe it for a certain amount of time. There's like an expiry date on that tolerance. Is there, what's our way as Muslims moving forward? What's the, what's the right way for us to maneuver? I, I've, I've, I've said this for as long as I can remember. I'm gonna be, and it's been misunderstood a lot of the times. But so I gotta probably slow down in the way I explain it. But it's not your job to to convince them. It's your job to be the best version of yourself you can be. It's your job to speak truth wherever it may uh, be required to. And sometimes truth comes in the form of silence, right? And if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens their hearts, they to God you fight you go your path and victory is from God there's the assumption that we should set up our expectations that we would do our work speak our truth and hope that the other side they humanity whoever believe us is a symptom of the fact that we are politically weak we recognize that we need their security we need their approval we need their favorable judgment right and politically speaking it's a bad play if you want to be secure build your security yeah if you want your voice to be heard build your media platforms yeah it may take 20 30 years but build them right if you want your people and your next generation to know your history Build your schools and your universities. Build your disciplines. Uh, that's not to say that I don't believe working or talking or dialoguing, but sometimes we're invested in the idea that if I convince them of something, if I manage in the form of like dawah, political dawah, if I change their mind, that somehow that leads to a success. It could, but like you just said, it, it might collapse again. Right, and so for me, the more solid project is for us to build our own world, and that doesn't mean being exclusive. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, live your life, be your best version. You know, I often say this: like people use dawah often as an example. If you want to give dawah for the for seeking the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, or you believe it is a form of obligation, give dawah. But if you're trying to give dawah to stop Islamophobia, that for me needs questioning. Because basically you're setting the standard that is we are deserving of Islamophobia until we're proven that we're decent or good people. No one is deserving of racism. Uh, even bad people do not deserve to be discriminated against, right? Yeah. They should be judged on their actions, but not arbitrarily uh, punished for the, who, who they are. Yeah. Yeah? So I'm happy to judge you based on your behavior, not because of who you are. Right? Yeah. So this, this idea that we have to prove that we're good, prove that we're decent, prove that our religion is beautiful, all of this is unpaid labor mostly. If you want to do it for Allah, do it for Allah. Mm. But if you're doing it because in your mind you think this will liberate us, then no, it's still a power game. It's still us ceding our agency and mobility to them. And I don't, I don't, I've never done that. I, I, like my form of anti-racism mm. was not to go out there and convince white society that Muslims are X, Y, Z, that Arabs are ABC, that we're Australian too, go the blues, go the tiger. I, I don't do that. 
yeah because for me that's that's a function of racism yep. anti-racism is to give back to your people because mm. there's a d- discrepancy there's a deficiency there's a gap they need more education they need more counseling right they need to know more of their history right we have to address all of the inequalities that colonialism built we have to archive everything that we've forgotten subhanallah do you know to this day i work in islamic school they don't know anything about the war on terror bro they don't know anything that happened yeah mm. they're in education they don't know whose fault is that? i'm not blaming anybody but you know we don't build institutions that archive our own history so um yeah i'm a big believer like be show peace be you be the best version of yourself but build your world and it makes me laugh because, subhanAllah, you know, like we always hear of these footballers who are French until they <laughs> lose. Yeah. Or they're... So it was Karim Benzema's quote, I'm French if I score an Arab if I miss or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Evra now also came out recently and he goes, I, I should have played for Senegal because... Yeah. What was the French minister that accused Karim of being part of the Khwan, the Brotherhood recently? Is yeah. Yeah. I don't know his name specifically, but I yeah. heard of the story. I think, right, Karim Benzema, Ballon d'Or winner. Karim Benzema, who carried Real Madrid <laughs> and robbed Liverpool <laughs> in the Champions League final, right? If he's getting questioned, that, that level of excellence, like helping France, mm. helping Real Madrid, that level of excellence. And if you can descend back into being an Arab... Because you support, partly support. It wasn't even like, you know, bring back the Khalafa, right? He, you know, wasn't wrapped around in... <laughs> it was just a show of solidarity. Yeah. And that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Right? And you see it constantly yeah. now because they put up a post, for example, in support of Palestine, or at least raising awareness for the current genocide that's going on. Like, it's, it's, it's like... What could be wrong with telling people to stop killing others? Yeah, but look, um, the other side, they've done, if we go back to a realist model, mm. Israel, Israel's friends, um, Zionists globally, have done, like if we were to separate ourselves, we may think it's unjust, but to take a backward step, have done really well in educating the people about what anti-Semitism is, and then expanding that definition of anti-Semitism to include it criticisms of Israel. Yeah. Right? And then pressured people in power to implement that. So at university that I work in, there's a definition that's borrowed of what anti-Semitism is that effectively includes that if I ask you, as somebody who's Jewish, to be critical of the state of Israel, I might be accused of anti-Semitism. Because I draw the link between somebody who's Jewish and pro-Israel. Now, think about that for a minute. How many times have you been asked to condemn stuff as a Muslim, as an Arab, that you have nothing to do with your whole life? Bro, for a long, long time, I was playing ambassador to Saudi Arabia. I'm not even Saudi. Like, people come up to me and tell me, why are there no churches in Saudi Arabia? All right? And things like that. Like, how many times? Like, so... Let's say, okay, this is Islamophobic and that's anti-Semitic. They've done really well in establishing that. Now, I'm not saying we should do the same or not doing the same, but it's a way of reading politics as they're making it hard for a lot of people to be critical of Israel. And yet, they're losing. 
they they can have CC, <laughs> they can have the states, the people on the ground, mm-hmm. yeah, right. They can try to stop protests in France, and it happens. You can have Justin Bieber, we have Nelson Mandela, right. You can have Kylie Jenner, whatever her name is. We have Malcolm X. Sooner or later, truth will be seen. So, but you you read it and you recognize that, Subhanallah, they um, the pressure. The, the the institutions the definitions yeah, they're making it hard and it's our job to resist and also make it hard what without being critical and it's not the time to be critical what we did with Islamophobia was almost the opposite we made it hard on ourselves because we we made Islamophobia about being good Muslims right you know we're not terrorists mm. yeah Right, it's un- unfair. On we're Australian too, so the narrative becomes stop, stop seeing us as the other, yeah, and that that in put pressure on many of us to act good. Put devil horns on. Yeah, you. Well, what are you now? So uh, we, I'm not being critical, but I'm just saying th- there's a moment where we as a community have to start doing politics, mm. right, in ways that aren't about. The mainstream aren't about integration, aren't about trying to convince them, aren't about trying to bring people together. It is about our security, right? About building our own institutions, about finding ways to reward and uh, punish those who harm us and reward those who don't harm us. Now, legally speaking, yeah, uh, morally speaking, all in line with our Islamic ethics, right? rare it's like we want to write our own history without having someone else write it for us yes you now part I mean? of the problem is we don't own the pen mm. yeah and there's a lot of people who know our history but we don't own the pen and this is why spaces like this eventually inshallah may it grow there's no reason for us to continually look i get it i understand it it's, there's importance in it where we're at and so forth go to mainstream media fight for your case raise awareness build a political consciousness around Palestine, around Gaza. Do it. But it should be uh, almost a temporary thing or a side thing. The main thrust, the main (laughs) lane in our freeway is to build our own. Yeah? So I'm not for, like, everybody do what you have to do. Become what you must become. Right? But we have to build our own infrastructure. Otherwise, we're always going to be framed. We're always going to be speaking within the frame that they dictate. And it's really, really hard to talk about nuance and complexities and history within their frame that wants to simplify you. So sooner or later, um, we're going to have to break free. And it should begin today. It should begin in our generation. We have been given enough evidence. Well, I'm older than you guys. but (laughs) You've been given enough evidence, right? You've got enough skill. You understand the world enough. Build, inshallah. And they utilize the one thing that we all fear the most, which is economic... Mm. Is, is our economic safety, yeah? Our security. Majority of the thing is, and I'll, and I'll give you an example, is the fact that our community leans on. Brother, let me tell you something, yeah? Now believe me. One of, the, one of the lack of political, again, not a criticism, but one of the frustrating things for me is how many, many people confuse what politics is. A lot of people think politics is about your values, about your stance, about your position. Yeah. Politics is about the distribution and the control and the securitizing of resources 
and ultimately your safety and your ability to move and mobilize. Politics is tied to the concrete, to the real. So if they control the economy and they control the military, yeah, your ideas are less relevant. Believe what you want to believe, but you're no material threat. Yeah? So they can control and pressure the, the Gulf states, the uh, old Arab states, you know, the Muslim world economically because of what colonialism built and so forth, militarily, yeah? And even if the whole streets of these societies have, a diff have something else in their hearts, what happens? We suppress the people. We control you, yeah? So there's this idea, like for us, do you know how many people will be silent because they're worried about losing their jobs, right? Yep. Or government funding. Yeah. We're worried. Mm -hmm. So for us, this is what I'm saying. Like, then we like, okay, it's true. Uh, consciousness about what's going on in the world is super important. It's maybe a step that liberates us, sure. But it's only the beginning. Like, there's no point having vision of the way the world is working if you can't enact that vision. Mm -hmm. So yes, we need vision. But also need to remove the chains. So some of us can help us see better, understand better, think better. But others have to liberate us materially, politically, economically, right? Um, so politics for me is the latter. It's the material conditions. Like we were <laughs> joking a little bit before. I mean, you can be pro-Palestinian all you want. Alhamdulillah, be it. I like that it's in your heart. But if you and I are kicking back, we're ha I don't know if Starbucks is from Israel or whatever, but like just as an example, we're kicking back, we're helping the Israeli economy, helping the American economy through our consumptions. We're walking around in our Nike shoes. We're waiting for the Premier League game at night. We're smashing Maccas, KFC. We're drinking Pepsi, right? And we're like pro, bring down the West, right? You know, it's, I'm not, it's not a judgment, but I'm saying that's where politics is. They're like, you know what? So Think what you want to say, but keep consuming. Yeah, it's true. Right? So we need we need our own corporations, our own companies. Mm. We need them to move, right? Because there's, you know, and then all we've got is boycotting. All right, boycott. But you know what? There's certain things you can't boycott. Bro, do you know how hilarious it is if I told you I'm going to boycott Ferrari? Think about that. Yeah, I'm going to boycott Ferrari. But I'm, I, can't, I can't afford a Mazda, okay? <laughs> all right? So this is the thing. There's certain things you can boycott, yeah? yeah? But the what are you going to do? Boycott the oil industry? What are you going to do? Right, so yes, the control comes mm. through the material, through the economic, and until we liberate ourselves from that, and I do believe I don't want to make it one or the other. We have to build a consciousness, but mm. it's only one part of it. The other part is you have to free our people, us, from an economic dependency, right? And until we do that, there will be no liberation. Mm. I know that there's this statement that we tell history in order for it not to reenact, especially the you mm. know difficult. Parts or the, the parts that are obviously what people would call the blemish on history, on our history in general. But we're, we're currently seeing, and I want to bring it back to obviously the, the situation in Palestine. We're currently seeing what is in front of us, televised genocide. And the funny thing was, I was reflecting on it yesterday with a mate. It's like the prison the, or the system, the, 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 um, the judicial system or whatever it is, when they want to punish a person who's committed a crime that's worthy of a, the death penalty, what did they choose to do instead? They choose to keep the person in prison for life because they believe it's a lot worse for the person. Now, for people who are probably on the fence here, I don't understand what's going on. Imagine being locked away in the biggest open-air prison 
history. Mm. In a place where you can't, they just recently showed you they have control of the water, the gas, the food, the electricity, the fuel, which is basic necessities to be able to live. And um, it, subhanAllah, like when you think about how it is and, and everyone just thinks, oh, buzzwords, buzzwords, narrative, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter because they're just words. But when you bring to life those words, you understand really how deep it is. And you, you notice that the narrative of the Israeli state is always to humanize the one or two people that have passed away or who, are, who have obviously like civilian lives lost is not, it's not good in any, in any case. But they put a picture, they put a face to the name. They'll put the stories, what the person enjoyed. They humanize. Yeah, bro. I, again, like I, I'm, I'm cautious because I want to give a nod to all of those who don't belong to the communities that we're familiar with, including Jewish activists, um, non-Arab, non-Muslim non-Palestinian activists who are, who are fighting for Palestine. So yeah. I don't want to make generalizations. But it's easy to dehumanize us because the narrative has been... When Let's look at it. So let's start with the question, do you condemn Hamas? Okay, let's start with that. What that question does. Because that question is tied to a lot of this dehumanizing because as i've referred to earlier hamas is kind of like this <laughs> magic substance that stop stops people from thinking mm. stops people from searching and you don't give it to the people who want to think you give it to the people who want to stop thinking about it and therefore they can turn uh, away from all that's happening and all that has happened in gaza and palestine right and the region for not just 75 years we go before 48 right we go, we go all the way back and you can even go further but anyway let's start with this question I, subhanallah it's like they're all read from the same script time and time again, do you condemn Hamas do you condemn Hamas do you condemn and they ask everybody and anybody you know do you condemn Hamas so let's so I want to make a point here about what Israel is and whatever is a Jewish state, this, that, democracy, la, 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 etc., civil, whatever. At one foundational level, it's f it functions through dispossession. Right? It, yeah, disp so it starts with dispossession of land, but then the dispossession grows like a virus. It now has to dispossess narrative. It now has to dispossess people from because they're, they're, they're providing testimony. It keeps dispossessing. It has to dispossess you as a Palestinian and, a, and an activist for Palestine, right? You're constantly being displaced. And this is the function of it. It has to hide its secret. It has to push everything away. It has to control the narrative. It has to dispossess us from truth. Constantly dispossess electricity what, because it wants to dispossess mobility. It has to dispossess safety because your safety comes at my... In, in lack of safety, uh -huh. yeah, because this is what occupation does. This is what oppression does. You will never be secure because you're an oppressor, uh -huh. right? It just it makes no sense, right? So they have to keep this now dispossessed truth, dispossessed narrative. Now, what does this question does? It do you condemn Hamas? It functions on what sometimes we call as a double bind. 
And what is a double bind? A double bind is like you've, you've been you've been given two options, yeah, but both options are wrong mm-hmm. for you. Both options don't work for you. It's like you want to turn right, and the red gives you two lefts. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And both questions match the nature of dispossession for the Palestinian. Both whatever answer you give. So let's run through the answers. Um, the first one, I uh, refuse to condemn Hamas, or I don't. I don't want to answer the question. Yeah, what happens when you do that? Automatically, they're so morally wound up, like, well, you refuse to condemn the killing of babies and the kidnapping of grandmothers and the innocent civilians. You now are dispossessed from somebody they can trust. As now they can show the world, how can you trust this person who won't condemn terrorism? Yeah, They're morally inept. They lack basic humanity. They're filled with hate. They allow and they're quiet on Jewish lives, Right? Mm-hmm. So instantly you're dispes- dis- dispossessed as, a, as somebody who can give testimony. Yep. If you refuse to condemn Hamas. So that's the first thing. So after, we don't, we don't do it, we don't do it. Why won't you do it? See how they won't do it, etc. Right. So what happens if you do condemn Hamas? Right. Now the debate shifts. It's another form of dispossession. It's another, another left turn when you want to turn right. Now the debate becomes about Israel's right to defend itself. Now the debate comes about, well, if, if you agree Hamas is this evil, then Israel must do what it has to do. Proportionate response. Yeah. What's the proportionate response? Mm-hmm. Now that you've agreed that Hamas is this evil, then Israel has a right to extract this evil. And unfortunately, no, and they're saying unfortunately, no wars, civilians die, right? What, what's the proportionate response? Yeah, And then the, then the escalation happens. Well, Hamas is so evil, they hide civilians yeah. in hospitals. And so now you're, you're, you're framed. So there's two types of this. I dispossess myself as a moral authority on the issue, or now I dispossess Palestinian history, and I have to speak about this discussion in the framework of Israel being a victim and its right to defend itself. Mm-hmm. So there's no right answer. Yep. Right, and then we know intuitively this. That's why we don't do the condemnation. It's not because we want to see innocent people die. It's that we know you're framing the debate that erases the Palestinian story. And the Palestinian story is: if you want to talk about terrorism, talk about what brought about terrorism, mm. and you're bringing it up. Talk about the conditions of Gaza, yeah, and then talk about the absurdity of a right of an occupying power that has the right to defend itself against the things. And the land, the institutions, and the people, and the families that they're occupying. Yeah. So the, the framing is all built on the constant need to dispossess the yeah. Palestinian from their land, from their right to testimony, from their, from their right to explain their history. Mm. And it's just a continuation of it. And so you, even the one phrase, this, this one's rather amazing. Hamas is like ISIS. Hamas is ISIS. Then it escalates. Hamas is worse than ISIS, mm-hmm. right? Now what we find is further dispossession. The West is referencing its amnesia to create new amnesia. Mm-hmm. Like, where did ISIS come from? Where did ISIS pop out from? What is ISIS? Like, is <laughs> subhanallah. It's like, okay, you want to talk about ISIS? Let's talk about Iraq. Let's talk about Syria, and let's talk about everything that the war on terror did. Let's talk about it. You know, so you, yeah, now you can admit what much much later that we lied about the Iraq. After what? After how many millions were killed and displaced? Whoops! Yeah, <laughs> right. You created a sectarian tension in Iraq, right? And then you decided not to go into Syria. Like you, you talk about international law over here, mm. and then you suspend international law over here. It's all in your interest. Yeah. 
Okay. 100%. Then there's a rabid Islamophobia around the world. The Prophet is insulted. Muslims are displaced. Detention centers are popped up everywhere. And, and suddenly like ISIS is supposed to have popped out of nowhere. Mm. And then they reference ISIS to explain Hamas, which is amazing because if you want to talk about Hamas, talk about Gaza, talk about what's going on. Mm. Talk about the conflict in Palestine over Hamas. No, they're just this magical figure. Yep. They're like in like a comic book villain. So Spider-Man can swing in. And save, right? Yeah. Or as Basim Yusuf said, Homelander. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, Subhanallah. So that's that's. This is the more now. Now when we're not just displace or dispossess Palestinian history, we have to displace and dispossess Arab history to explain this. Yep. And then you and I are put in this position. Well, in order for me, this, this is the trick. In order for me to defend Palestine, I have to go through the moral maze that is to work through ISIS and Hamas. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, how many people will switch off? Oh yeah. The moment you try <laughs> to complicate that, yep, you're gone, you're done. Beheading babies. I've seen Hamas. I've seen ISIS. They take hostages, grandmothers, right? And it's not like we don't care. And this is the other thing. <laughs> Why would any, any person enjoy or want to see the death of kids? Or no one, none of us want that. None of us want that. Mm. But for you to question my humanity, right, is for you to frame the debate. Because what you're saying is one side lacks humanity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, these framing have to be, like there are, there are things that happen on the ground, but we also have to be cautious of framing. And we should know now by a community that the media, that the politicians are not neutral. Right? And in every debate, there's the facts on the ground, there's the history, there's the reality, and then there's the way we frame the debate. And two are two battlegrounds, right? Yeah. One thing that I loved, I think it was the um, the UK ambassador for Palestine. Mm. He said to um, Piers Morgan, was obviously he's probably been the one go-to person that everyone's been going to. Still does my head in, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I've been I've been neutral. I don't have a horse in the race. Garbage. Keeps bringing that up, yeah. and the funny thing is, he keeps bringing up the fact that he he uh, he was against the Iraq War, like as if he made some sort of a feat in 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 speaking common sense and rationality. That's an amazing point, bro. Subhanallah. I, I like that point. You know, growing up, a friend of mine used to tell me that he'd get he's Somali, right? And he 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 would get these strange moments where he'd tell me that. People will come up to me, white people come up to me and tell me how they oppose the apartheid in South Africa, how they're against racism. And then there'll be this awkward pause as if they're waiting for a congratulations, yeah. a round of applause, <laughs> a thank you. And we're like, well, you oppose the obvious. It's like all of us saw it, right? Yeah. You're, you're not. And then he's like, well, it's supposed to be testimony. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it wasn't an achievement, man. It wasn't an achievement to know they were lying. Wallahi, it wasn't. Yeah, it was not an achievement. And now that you're using it in this moment to kind of morally position yourself as a neutral observer while espousing nonsense, yep. right? Oh, the BBC did it, it's independent. Da, 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 da. Hey, come on, man. And even if we ignore Ahli Hospital, and we shouldn't, but even if we did, do you want, do you want proof of how many schools, hospitals Israel has bombed? Do you want, like, where the Nakba is enough. Yeah. 
Why? Like there's there's doctrines around there's a, there's a, the the Haya doctrine, where Israeli generals come out and say this is during the 2006 uh, war in Lebanon, right? Mm-hmm. That they go out there and they say we destroy infrastructure so, yeah, the militants Hezbollah, and can't use it. It's it's backwards. We destroy this infrastructure and also we are punishing collectively, right? The the people from supporting them. There's a price to pay. And you hear them say it. They're not even, some of them are not even shy in saying it. And yet, right, miraculously, uh, the hospital apparently gets worn in, right? (laughs) But a stray rocket still hits it. Nice guys. (laughs) Amazing. You know? So all of it, you're like, what are are you saying, Pierce? What are you saying in the world? That this is beyond Israel? Yep. And then there's another other line that gets repeated itself. Hamas hides behind human shields. Ask them. I've, I asked them for proof. Ask them. Ask them for proof. And then you will see the complexity of what that actually means. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And would anybody accuse Israel when they nestle in a military complex within suburbs like they do? Is that hiding behind the civilian population? Ask them what that means. And then you realize that because people in their public imagination think Hamas runs into a hospital. Yep. A Gaza, what, 2.2 million, 2.5 million in a small strip. It's, they're literally using semantics to level entire, entire suburbs, bro. You've seen the rubble. And how many times have you and I grown up watching mothers and fathers wail as they pull their kids out of rubble, whether it's Palestine, whether it's Syria. And then even with the earthquakes, man, our people have suffered, mm. right? And somehow, when you look at the international word, Hamas. And Hamas stops them from thinking. Yeah. ISIS stops them from thinking. So Yeah, all of these framings are done. Not for us. Believe me, they're, they're not, it's not about reality. It's like, how do I maintain, it's, called, it's a form of moral disengagement. How do I maintain that I'm a good person mm. while, while maintaining my support for Israel? And Hamas helps them do that. And believe me, there's no point blaming Hamas because Biden said it. They will invent a Hamas if Hamas didn't exist, right? They will invent it. And I want to I want to do a thought experiment. Sorry for no no. Imagine, bro, this happened. Since you want to imagine a Muslim country took over Australia, right? Annexed it, yeah. Uh, Put checkpoints in took its land, its resources, controlled all of it, uh, propped up its leader, made people like Walid Ali, the, the pr- prime minister, right? Um, or whatever, right? It just mirrored much of what, yeah, for the security of its own need. Imagine we did that. Um, are you trying to tell me that in Australia's resistance to this fictional takeover, you wouldn't find militant white supremacists? You're trying to tell me that you wouldn't find an equivalent to Hamas? Bro, they lost their mind over immigrants. Mm-hmm. They were reclaim Australia. One, they over us legally coming here. Yep. Right. People lost it. People went to rally because Vegemite became halal. Right. They're upset at our immigration. Imagine we took over. We have people shooting up in Norway and in Christchurch because of immigration. Are you trying to tell me that if we took over your country, not once, twice, three times, built a world order where we repressed your people, you wouldn't get Christian white supremacist militants? Yeah? And are you trying to tell if we did that, you'd blame the Bible? It's a political... Hamas is born out of a context. No. It's pure evil. Descended from somewhere. Popped out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. 
They hate the Jews. They want to wipe them yeah. out. And what are they dispossessing here? History. Mm. Ours and theirs. Right? And that's the framing of the narrative. And then you and I enter this debate. We're like, we're, we're cooked before we're even ready to, you know, I haven't even taken my jacket off. I'm done. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's our obligation. This is why I'm saying there's two parts of it. I don't believe in weighing through that. Just build your own, man. Yeah. Well, I build your own. Is there, uh, and this is probably a very open-ended question. And I'll, I'll leave it to you to answer, inshallah. But is there a way out? For us in the West, when it comes to these kinds of, I I don't, I don't like living here. But I want to say Alhamdulillah. So I want to premise that. Materially, I am in the top ten percent of the world, without being even like I'm not saying I'm rich. It's just by living, just by living here. So I don't want to sound ungrateful for all that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Has granted me But it comes at a price That you don't really Fully Appreciate Until you become older I'm tired Of constantly uh, You know bro A lot of my generation We have We don't even realise it Until we start doing therapy <laughs> Or seeing a therapist Or becoming a therapist Right We have, we have some problems man Like Paranoid yeah, and, You know we have unresolved um, anxieties. Maybe or maybe it's not related to our families and our political context. But the world isn't built for you. Now you can integrate. You can become. I don't want to make it sound like the door isn't open. The door is open, but this all com- always comes at a price. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that price is mirrored by the length of your beard. It's how much you're willing to. And I don't even think they have a problem with you being religious, quote unquote. They have a problem with you being political. Right, they have a problem with how much you bring from the other world to this place. Mm. You have to be remarkably skillful, remarkably um, talented per, per, in reading people, in mobilizing, reading rooms to carry that politics and survive. And if you have any cracks, any personality deficiencies in any way, shape, or form, you're done. If you get angry too easily, you're done. Right, if you don't trust too easily, you're done. You have to be super, super good, right? Yep. And even then, right? so it's very, very tiring. And a lot of people just give in. They're like, "I'm just going to focus on my family. I'm going to focus on my degree. I'm going to focus on building my. I'm going to focus on zakat. I'm going to focus on this, right?" And then if you do that, part of you burns mm. when you see these images again. You're like, well, "I'm not doing enough," right? So the solution in the West to answer your question. It's premised on two things. I think it's going to sound strange, but bear with me. I have some brothers in my world that uh, <coughs> they celebrate fake victories. Oh man, do you see Muhammad Hijab? He smashed Piers Morgan. Do you see what Daniel H did? These are victories that give us a sense that we're winning something. And really... All right, you had a slap. You destroyed that atheist. MashaAllah. One of the things we have to do is that these victories are exaggerated in our minds. It's going to sound strange because we haven't accepted defeat yet. And we have to accept defeat. And the only reason why I say that 
is because the only way we know what victory looks like for us is if we also know what defeat looks like. If you think we're winning, you don't know what victory looks like. And now we're just in the fantasy space of celebrating. Oh, we destroyed feminism. We destroyed atheism. While you're going next day working, nine to five, paying your taxes, consuming, right? For somebody who's at the top of your chain, who's building the world as oppressing your people. No one cares about your YouTube and even YouTube or Twitter, like Andrew Tate's a perfect example of this. The guy's telling us to escape the matrix. Brother, how do we know about you? It's through the matrix. Like, uh, it's through the consumption. You, you're big because of TikTok and YouTube. And these companies are like, I don't care what you think as long as you're, as long as you're using it. Yep. Keep them on there. You keep them on there. And they're using the same addictive devices that keep our kids glued to this. And then you think because he smashed this person or we destroyed that that's a victory. Brother, we're just consuming. It's just like, it's like, it's like if you're against football, but you choose a football team, right? You're still playing it. Yeah. So one of the things that we need to do before we ask the question, what's the future for Muslims or what is their future in the West? Is that we need to know what victory looks like. It's not a proud declaration of our identity because I don't think we've ever not been proud of who we are. It is not just, a, I do agree there's challenges to being Muslim, right? I, but I think is we have to think about what mo mobi mobility looks like, what mobilization looks like, what freedom looks like, what the ability to self-determine our world looks like. So these small victories, yeah? They, they, they're all right, they're nice, they're, they're, they're fixes. Okay, I'm not against it in the sense, but we exaggerate it for a reason. Mm. Because it, it, it's a form of displacement. It gives us a significant amount of joy because the rest of the world is not giving us that joy. Believe me, I'll tell you now, if Palestine got liberated, you watch the tears in all of us because that's real victory. If Palestine gets liberated, we won't be able to control that. Believe me, nothing you have tasted would be like that because that's real victory, right? If Egypt got liberated... That's real victory. If I, by liberated, I mean our people are lifted. Mm. They're not oppressed. They're not eating each other up. That's real victory. Yeah. Yeah? 100%. So, uh, to answer your question about the future, we have to have honest, constant reflections on where we're at, build our institutions. And there's one thing I've always said, and I've learned this from others. Don't think about it that way. Think about be your best, do your best, open up, be honest, reflect, bear witness, and leave victory up to God. You can't, you can't look too far forward. Just do your best. Be honest. Reflect. Think about it. Yeah? Mm. Fight your nafs. Don't be seduced by these small things. Right? Stay on the path. Then leave it up to God. And tawakkalallah, bro. We'll see what happens. But, you know, we get easily, easily seduced. The beautiful thing that we always hang our hat on is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has infinite knowledge. And that his knowledge is vast and if he's planning something, it's the perfect Yeah. It's we plan Allah's the planner, you know? So yeah, I, as for you personally, if somebody because you know, I get this question a lot. I don't know, bro. I I, I can't I, me personally, it's my personality trait. A lot of people can do it differently. What am I building? What am I building? Mm. Yeah? Like I'm giving you my for every dollar I make, I'm giving forty cents plus away from here, there and everywhere. And okay, to build what? 
to build something that ultimately is hostile to the colonized people of the world. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it, it burns me. Yeah, I can think what I want, have whatever politics I want. I still walk into uni and I'm participating in the cycle of producing this economy. I, I, you know, I'd much rather work somewhere else, but it's really hard over there <laughs> as well. So that's how they get us. So I would love, and I think all of us would love, kind of our people-centered, community-centered industry and business where we know that every waking hour I give, every labor I give, every moment I give is building up my people who were once oppressed. You walk to work with purpose. Mm. You feel it, right? You feel like I'm doing something. Maybe then, but where that is and how it is, I don't know. Inshallah, my children's children's generation can find that maybe we need to build that for them but right now yeah i don't know i think the the beautiful thing about our deen also is the fact that we have examples uh through the prophets and through the sahaba for example um someone was bringing up that you may not see those victories that you're speaking about in your lifetime like ibrahim uh whose lineage showed or actually depicted the victories that he worked for but you have to know that Allah SWT doesn't judge you based off of the results. He judges you based off of the actions or the work and the intention that you put in. Mm. So I think that's probably the best way to look at it, subhanAllah. Yeah, I don't think we can think of victory in any shape, way or form for us because there's so many moving variables and it's a much bigger picture, but also the lack of power that many of us have or all those of us who do have power, how that power is connected in, in to their power to and even if we start to speak about humanity and global community we want the best for everybody right if, put aside being arab put aside being muslim if we could do that and can do that because even if you know the world is a bad place for a lot of people and it, it's it's harsh cuz you know the powerful but the rich are rid, they're not just they're ridiculously rich they're stupid rich like mm. it's and the poor are really, really poor. Yeah? So it, the victory, what does it look like? I mean, is it just for us? Is it for the, the, is the world? Is it justice itself? It's too big a problem. So I, in my mind, I'm like, just bear witness. Do your best. You know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide. And there's a wisdom in the lack of provision. Right? Just do your best. And I'm like, I just want, when I take my final shahad, inshallah, it's granted to me that I've done it with with a form of resignation that I tried. Mm. Yeah. But I, I do think sometimes we get caught up in looking for formula. Brother, you go a little bit right, they'll go left. You go left, they'll go right. Because it's interest. Mm. The only thing that gets you safety, security is power. That's it. Mm. That's it. Right? You can have a hundred million Egyptians. Right. And they're all, let's say, hypothetically, they're not, but let's say, hypothetically, all pro-Palestinians. And what? They're not, by the way, because, yeah, <laughs> Egypt's... <laughs> but if, even if he did, and what? We're 1.6, 1.7, 1.8 billion strong. And what? Well, bro, I think this would be a great way to kind of wrap up, but I did want to ask you one more question. Sure. Michelle. Um... Alhamdulillah, this is obviously, I don't mean to uh, 
compliment you to your face, but you're somebody I look up to in regards to, you know, just in general the academic side of of things, and and uh, I really rate your opinion. As you know, me and you have a long-standing friendship relationship. Alhamdulillah. Mm. And Subhanallah, it always seems to be catastrophes within our within our, our ummah. Subhanallah, mm. that bring us together, but may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala free us and liberate us from Amen. from these struggles. But um, I do want to ask you, bro, what what's one recommendation of a book or something to watch or something to see that the audience can take away from all of this, inshallah? Um, no one book, no one video. Sorry, but I will say this, yeah? Um, commit yourself to a daily routine of not turning away, right? Read about what's going on. Listen to podcasts about what's going on. In our world, not just Palestine, in our world. Commit to incorporating it into your life. Right? Because you could read one book and I guarantee the way our brain works, we'll forget that one book eventually. Yeah, There's many. I mean, I'll give you a list if you want, sure. But for me, it's about the habit. A habit of resistance. Right? Because if your brain's going to be filled with something. Uh, no judgment. I do this as well. We've all got contradictions. I know brothers and sisters who know more about the Carlton football team's roster yeah, than what's going on anywhere else in the Muslim world. Yeah. And that's it's not a judgment. It's not like, how dare you, whatever, right? But if you commit, if we, if we tell our next generation, commit yourself to not turning away, build a community ethic, learn about what's going on in our home countries, listen to a podcast, watch a video, follow the right people, and follow multiple people, yeah? And also, I'm going to say something. Stop fearing the humanities. It's it's ridiculous. Stop f- stop fearing this idea that uh, universities are these. They they are. The, you know, look, the psychology degree, the engineering degree, the IT degree. Although all ideological, they're all there to build the state, right? But we don't. We need more humanities scholars. We really do. Okay, it's not going to give you the rewards that you like becoming a dentist or a banker or a lawyer is. But we need it. Our people need it. Yeah. Study politics. Study philosophy. Study our tradition and our religion and merge the two. And by merge the two, I mean, okay, the Mashaykh and the ulama will always have to lead us, inshallah, community never leads and uh, agrees in an error, right? But there's so many of us that do politics, and I don't understand why. Like, we, we need more. We need support, right? So I would say, to answer your question, commit your give 10 years of your life to learning, about your world and if all that 10 years does is inform your children alhamdulillah that's a victory okay if that's all it does if it does more than that khair right so find your podcasts find your books find your your your, your thinkers and include it in your habit do it in your gym routine do it in your drive to work your drive to uni yeah go for a walk around the park listen learn and subhanallah within a year you will realize how much of the world and its truth opens up to you and then you will feel a commitment to share that to everybody else and there will come a time where each and us, each of us become teachers to one another. Not just a book, but a lived experience. Our conversation will be lifted. Right? I hear your words along with Vedic, bro. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for your time, bro. Wallahi. It was a long, long time coming, but <laughs> I, I really appreciate you taking the time, bro. I understand you were very busy. And yeah, bro, appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me on, bro. And uh, I'll say free Palestine, inshallah. Inshallah. As-salamu alaykum. Yeah.